This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Praise God. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning, man? Come on. It's good to be here. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking how fortunate I am that I get one more Sunday of cardigan weather because I thought it was over, folks. I thought it was over. I thought I wouldn't see this again until November. But then the Lord answered my prayer and he brought about the cool weather. So I broke it out for one last run for this year. Amen. And uh, so God's good. I just want to give him praise for that first off, right off the bat. And um, if you need an outline for the message, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. And the title of today's message is this. It's called A Tale of Three Storms. And what I want to do is I want to look at three different instances in the Bible where somebody went through a storm. And I got a lot of uh, inspiration from this out of Tony Cook's book uh, called Through the Storms. And, uh, you know, Brother Cook is an awesome friend of ours and uh, and he's he comes here every year. But that's an excellent book. And um, and, I, and so I credit a lot of a lot of the study on this to that. But I know this much. We all face storms, right? Because, and that sounds like kind of a broad statement to make, but really, figuratively, and a little bit more literally in Barstow lately, but we face some storms in life. Well, what's a storm? That means when you are going through something, and it is, I mean, it, it's, it's not something you wanted to go through. It's a storm that has came into your life, and now you've got to deal with it. And I, one thing I also know is not every storm is the same. There's different kinds of storms, and you deal with the different kinds of storms with different ways. You know, I, I grew up in the Midwest, and so we had tornadoes out there. And, you know, we'd get these tornado warnings on TV, and so you run down to the basement and wait till it's all over. My senior year of high school, a tornado came and ripped the roof right off of the school. And I wasn't there that day, but I heard that it was, you know, it was a pretty intense moment. Everybody was in the basement. And so there's tornadoes. I've got friends down in the south, down in New Orleans. They deal with hurricanes down there. And that's, that's a whole different thing. I've never been in a hurricane. And then I've got friends up in the north. And, and they deal with blizzards. I've seen a lot of snow, but I don't think I've seen a legit blizzard. And so these are all different kinds of storms, but you don't handle every storm the exact same way. You know, wouldn't it be silly if, uh, you know, we're, we're I'm back in Indiana and there's a tornado coming and, and mom says, get down in the basement. There's a tornado. And dad says, I'll grab the snow shovel. Good thinking that, you know, I mean, there's an appropriate time for a snow shovel, but you don't really get much use out of it during a tornado. Right. And here we have there's different storms that we go through. And some people think, well, you know, uh, I'm just I'll handle it this way. And that's actually that you're not handling that storm the right way. And no wonder you're not getting out of the storm. you got to handle the storm the right way. And so we're going to look at a few guys in the Bible today that face storms in their life. But the good news is this, is that not every storm is permanent. Can I, come on, not every storm is going to last forever. Storms are temporary. And if you'll do what God says to do, you'll survive the storm and you'll come out greater than ever. And you'll have a testimony to tell on top of it. Amen. Come on. This is exciting stuff right here to realize that not it's not permanent. 
It's temporary. It's temporary. And if you'll do what God says to do out of his word, you're getting through that thing and you're going to have a great story to tell when it's all over with. Can I get an amen this morning on that? Amen. And so let's open up in prayer and we're going to look at a few guys here and we're going to and and I, I will bet that with the three storms that we look at today, you'll be able to identify with at least one of them. And maybe you're going through one of these type right now. But the good news is we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to figure out how to get out of the thing. Amen. Because I don't like to just talk about problems. I like to fix problems and I like to get out of it. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord. For your word. And Lord, we know that your word is truth. Your word is perfect. And so, God, as we study the holy word of God today, I pray, Lord, that you'll show us what we need to see. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. God, if you need to rough us up a little bit, do it so we can change, Lord, and we can survive this thing and we can get out of the storm, Lord, better than we've ever been before in our lives. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. All right. So the first guy we're going to look at, the first storm here today is Jonah's storm. We're going to look at Jonah's storm. Who's ever heard of Jonah? So a familiar story, but but we, we need to look beneath the surface here a little bit. So let's flip to the book of Jonah. Who likes the book of Jonah? All right. All right. Do you read it every day? Nope. OK, thanks for the honesty. But we're going to look here at, uh, at Jonah and we're going to look at chapter one. And if you're having trouble finding it, it's on page 861. So just flip right over there. Flip right over there. But Jonah uh, chapter one. And so to kind of catch you up on the story of Jonah, Jonah is told by God, go to the city of Nineveh. And I want you to go through the streets and tell all the people to repent and turn of their sins or else they're going to be judged by God. And so, I mean, that's that's intimidating. I can imagine, you know, having to go to a big city and do that. But God told Jonah very specifically, this is what you're going to do. And this is what you're going to say. He gave him precise instructions. And so do you think Jonah just went up and went right over there? And was like, hey, glad to do it. I'm your man. No, he went the exact opposite way. He ran away from God. And we all know what's getting ready to happen here in a minute. And so I'd like to defend Jonah just a little bit slightly before we tear him apart in just a minute, okay? And so Jonah, in his defense, in his defense, uh, the city of Nineveh, was, it was not a nice place to be. And even today, uh, that's modern day, the, the modern day city of Mosul in Iraq. And it's still a pretty bad place to be. But here he is with a, 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 a city that it said it was so large, it took a couple of days just to walk around and see it. Today, it's a city of two million people. And back then, it was the, uh, the, the headquarters of the Assyrian Empire. Now, basically, they were mean, hateful terrorists that destroyed everybody. They were not good people. And even more recently, as of uh, just in 2017, ISIS had, had overtaken this this same city for three years and in 2017 July, uh, the United States and the coalition was able to finally rid the city of ISIS. But what I'm saying is this, just to put it into perspective, that's always been a rough spot. That's not really a great place to live. And it was really rough, mean, terrible people. Well, God says, Jonah, I want you to go to all these terrorists, tell them that they're evil and wrong and repent of their sins. 
And Tony Cook said that that's basically like telling one of us, get on an airplane, get on a bus, go look ISIS in the eye and tell them that they're wrong and they need to repent. And so for all of us, we laugh at Jonah like, what a loser. He didn't obey God. My gosh, dude. But really, when you look at it, this was an intimidating thing to do. In fact, he hated these people. He was Jewish and he hated the Assyrians. They were bullies. The Jewish people hated them. And then you'll see that in the, at the last chapter of Jonah, he finally goes and obeys God and they do actually repent. Shockingly, they repent. And then Jonah gets mad that God doesn't kill them. Can you believe that? He, he, he actually gets mad. He's like, ah, man, I, I didn't think they'd actually listen. I thought you were going to get to kill them. And so he gets mad at God. So I'm telling you, this is a hostile situation right here. No wonder Jonah didn't want to go and tell all of them that they were sinners bound for hell and that God was going to come destroy their city. So God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Here's exactly what you need to say. Just do what I say and I'll take care of the rest. You just do this. And of course, he goes the exact opposite way and heads for Tarshish, which would be in Spain today. So he tries to go, he as he's trying to get out of there and go somewhere else. So Jonah chapter one, and we're going to look at verses eight through 17. So here we are. Jonah gets on this boat headed for, for Spain, more or less for Tarshish. And, uh, and of course the storm arises. Jonah chapter one and verse eight, the sailors say, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he already told them he was running away from the Lord. Can you imagine that? You just, that's like how you meet somebody. Hi, Jonah. Kind of running away from the Lord right now. Uh, something bad happens. It's probably my fault. Okay. And so that, he, he already told them that he's running away from the Lord. And, and, and so, uh, so, so they say, oh, why'd you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonas said. Throw me. Can you imagine just volunteering for this? I mean, this guy knows that he disobeyed God. And I know that I've been in times where I disobeyed God and I was just at the point of saying, just throw me into the sea. Come on, get me out of the equation and it'll probably fix things for you. And I mean, that's a rough thing. That's a rough spot to be in. But Jonah knew that he was destroying his life and he was destroying everybody else's life around him by his actions. Thank you for your holy silence this morning. Amen. God is good. And so he says, just throw me out and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God. They, they, now they're crying out to Jonah's God. They say, oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. I think we figured out who the problem is here. We got rid of Jonah, and the storm completely stopped all at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. 
Now, now here's what happens next. The famous part of the story. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I'm telling you that this isn't just a cute story that we tell the children, you know, at nursery time. This literally happened. There was literally a man that disobeyed God and was defiant against what God said. The man literally got thrown into the sea, literally got swallowed by a giant fish. Don't let that fly over your head. We've got a guy inside of a fish for three days and three nights here. Can you even imagine what that would be like? Seriously, three days and three nights. Can you imagine the sounds? I don't want to imagine the smells. Can you imagine, I mean, how awful would that be that here you are in the ocean inside, inside of a fish three days and three nights. And you know that it's completely your fault. This was absolutely avoidable. Yet here you are. Has there anybody that maybe you've kind of been, maybe not in the fish, but something similar and you wanted to blame somebody, but you couldn't blame somebody because you put yourself there. I've been there, and I'm sure that more than a couple of you have been there, where we've been in this spot, the storm came, and here we are, we've literally hit rock bottom, it doesn't get much lower than this, literally, and here you are, and and, and you don't have anybody to blame but yourself, this had to be a nightmare experience, but look at chapter 2, verse 1, the story just keeps going, here's the good news, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, from inside the fish. Somebody say hallelujah. He prayed to the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad he came to his, sentence, to his senses. But as I read that. It kind of strikes me as funny. He was in the fish. For three days and three nights. And then. He prayed to the Lord his God. This has, he has to win the gold medal for all-time stubbornness right here. And I'm telling you, the second that fish swallowed me, I don't care how mad I was at whoever, I'd be screaming to Jesus. Jonah waited three days and three nights, and then he prayed to the Lord his God. That is crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, and I know some, we laugh at this, but I know some people, they, they, their stubbornness has put them into a bad situation for a really long time, and they still won't own up to it. They'd rather hang on to their pride to the bitter end than admit, you know what, this is messed up. I did this, and there's only one way out. But there's a lot of people. We laugh at Jonah, but it's not so funny when we look at our own lives and say, you know what? I've been through the storm, and then I didn't handle that right, and then I, here I am at the bottom, and we're still holding on to it. I think it's funny it took Jonah three days, but I know some people it's taken three years, 30 years. They've never, ever come to their senses and prayed to the Lord their God and asked what Jonah's getting ready to ask for, for forgiveness. And so you read all of chapter 2, and it's Jonah praying, God, I screwed up. Forgive me. Give me another chance. Get me out of this situation. And Jonah prays to the Lord his God. But what I want to say about Jonah's storm right here is this was his own fault. And we're going to look at other storms. Not every storm in our life is our own fault. But I will say that some of the things we go through are our own fault. And that's not uplifting and that's not encouraging for you today. But 
We got to get real about this. We we got to we got to just flat out get real and quit lying to ourselves. And um, we're going to look some of the other storms you had nothing to do with. But I'll go ahead and admit there have been storms in my life that were my fault. I put myself there. I did stupid things to bring the storm to my life. I, I, I knew better, but I did it anyway. And then sure enough, the storm came, the fish came, everything else came. And here I am in the middle of it. And there's only one way out of a self-inflicted storm. Repentance. You have to get to a place where you say, this is my fault. God, I'm sorry. Give me another chance. And you got, you got to admit it. You have to admit to it. You have to own up to it. And, and so verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10, Jonah prays. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That had to be the best day of his life right there. He probably would have loved to get to Nineveh at this point. Can you, uh, the Lord orders this fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And I, you know, every time I tell this story, I just have this visual image of like a family building a sandcastle on the beach. A giant fish swims up. And then this guy comes rolling up. Whoa! Wow, that was crazy. Woo! And then just walks off. Can you imagine witnessing this moment? I mean, that's got to be one of the most epic scenes of all time. Somebody's playing at the beach, and then Jonah gets just puked right onto the beach. That's got to be incredible. And he's probably pulling stuff off of him. And as he walks through town, the smell in itself would be enough to bring people to their knees. Maybe this was God's plan all along. God works in different ways sometimes. But anyway, and so the Lord ordered this fish. It spits Jonah out onto the beach. And, and of course... Jonah says, God, give me another chance. I'll, I'll go this time. And so Jonah goes into the city of Nineveh. He says exactly what God said to say. And then it says, all the people, from the greatest to the least, repented. They threw ashes in the air to show that, their sorrow. And they repented of their sins. That's, a, that's incredible. I, I mean, that, that's, almost, that's really hard to imagine going into a great city full of really mean people and, and one guy having such an effect that he gets, it, according to the Word of God, the entire city, from the greatest to the least, the mayor and everybody else, is repenting, saying, how could we, we're, we how did we do this? Their eyes were open. And, and, and it's, it's incredible. But you have to realize that Jonah got through this storm through repentance. And so the cause of Jonah's storm was disobedience, and the answer was repentance. Now, I'm not looking for a show of hands today, but come on, how many of you, you can relate just a little bit to Jonah? Come on. Yeah, I can relate to Jonah in some ways. And, and, and so Jonah does this, and he gets out of the storm. And one beautiful thing about the story of Jonah is he got a second chance. Because sometimes we go through the storm and we don't think that we'll ever have another chance. We screwed this whole thing up. I'm never going to be able to have a, a successful marriage. I'm never going to be able to, to, you know, do this job thing right. I'm never going to be able to, to, to be right in this area. And if we'll do it God's way, yes, you can. He'll give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, and a fifth. He'll, he'll keep giving you chances as long as you're repentant and as long as you're real with God and you're being sincere. He'll pick you up and give you another shot to make things right. That's good news. 
That's good news for guys like me. That's good news for people like you that God doesn't just say, oh, he's a waste. I can't believe it. Here I am. I gave him one thing to do and he couldn't even do that right. Get him out. Go. Go away. He didn't do that. He gave us another chance. And I thank God for that. Amen. That he doesn't give up on us like other people do. And so Jonah had to get out of his storm through repentance. I know a lot of people that are in the self-inflicted storm and they're rebuking the devil. They did something really dumb and bad, and then their life falls apart. Satan, how'd you do this to me? I bind the devil in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to give it. Well, I'm sure as much as he would love the credit for destroying your life, let's give credit where credit's due on this one, okay? I'm sure he would love the praise and the glory for wrecking everything, but listen to me. Sometimes you're fighting a a, a tornado with with a snow shovel. That's what you're doing when you did something like that, and you're binding the devil. Thank you. Listen to me. Listen. You need to recognize what kind of storm it is that you're in, and you need to fight it the Bible way. When you did something to bring the storm into your life, you can't rebuke the devil. He didn't do it. You did it. Rebuke yourself. Repent and get out of the situation. And that is not a fun place to be in where you have to swallow your pride and and do that. But I've been there. And listen to me. It's a whole lot better to just get out of the storm alive than to die with your pride than to ruin your family with your pride, ruin your marriage with your pride, ruin your children with your arrogance, ruin your church with... Listen to me. Kill the pride. I hate pride. We all deal with it, but pride is a killer. You need to take it out back and shoot it. Listen to me. Pride will kill you, and and, and that's a dangerous spot to be in. We have got to get to the place where we say, you know what, this is going to hurt, but I did it. God, I'm sorry. If you give me another chance, I won't do it again. I'll make things right. I'll go to the people I hurt and I'll make things right. Give me another shot at this. And he will. Because 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Say it with me. And just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news. That's the gospel right there. And so... There's the Jonah kind of storm where it's a little bit self-inflicted and we brought it upon ourselves. But I want to look at another storm here in the New Testament, and that's the storm of Jesus. Jesus' storm. Because Jesus himself faced a storm. And that's in Mark chapter 4, so let's flip over there. Let's flip over there. Who's glad to be in church on Sunday morning? Amen? Who's glad that God gave you another day to wake up and get out here and come into his house? Sing his praises, read his word, amen, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters. So Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look here at verses 35 through 41. And so I can tell you this much, if Jesus himself had to face down storms, you're going to have to face down storms. You're no greater than he was. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 and so, here we have this, this episode. It says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats soon followed. And you got to realize, man, people wanted to be around Jesus everywhere he went. It was really hard for him uh, to catch a break from people. And so here he is. He, he's going uh, to the other side of the lake and the other boats followed. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up 
out of nowhere, just a fierce storm. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Thank you. All right. Good time for a nap. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, silence, be still or peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Man, you would think Jesus would have, you know, because there's the comforting side of Jesus. And then there's kind of the straightforward side of Jesus. This is not one of those moments where he said, come to me, children. Let me comfort you. We've been through the storm. Now it's over. He said, what is wrong with you people? You got to be ashamed of yourselves. Do you still have no faith? I mean, this was this, this is almost a rebuke from Jesus. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. And so let's break this story down just a little bit, uh, because there's a lot of lessons wrapped up into this one story. The first thing is, is that you've got to know is this. This storm did not come about because Jesus had committed sin. So not every storm comes because somebody sinned. And that's one trap that people believe. Well, he's going through something. Must be because he sinned. Well, could be, but could not be. We don't know. It's, it's not my business why the storm came to your life. You better figure that out, though, and own up to it. But, but, but I can assure you that this storm didn't come because Jesus had been living in sin. Jesus never sinned. And also, Jesus didn't just jump up and say, okay, there's a storm. Which one of you twelve sinned? Who was it? James and John, you were fighting again. Peter, you're using potty words. Uh, he, he didn't go around and, 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 and because this was not a storm that was brought on by sin, though some storms are brought on by sin. This wasn't, this wasn't because of that. And, and another thing that I'm noticing is, is, is that the disciples, they really didn't handle this the right way. Even though they didn't sin, they seriously could have handled this a lot better than they handled it. Now, obviously, this had to be a pretty intense storm if Peter and the boys were, were flipping out because they were used to the water. They were sailors by trade. They fished all the time. So if it scared them in their defense, this had to be a, a pretty decent storm. But, but what's, what's the first thing they do? Uh, well, in verse 38, it says Jesus was back there taking a nap with his head on a pillow, just chilling out, not a care in the world. But what is it they say? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? The first thing they go to is immediately questioning Jesus' love and care for them. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Because a lot of times, whether we'll admit it or not, whether these words come out of our mouth, we're in the middle of a storm and we know we didn't, it's not our fault this time. We really didn't make this one happen. But we start, Jesus, don't you even care that I'm about to drown? You don't even, it's like you don't even care. It's like you're not even there right now. It's like you're taking a nap with your head on a pillow on the back of the boat. And here I am up front getting ready to drown. Don't you even care? Here's these guys. that I mean, they've walked right side by side with Jesus all these days. And a storm comes. And the first thing they go to is, do you even care? My gosh. That's a pretty steep conclusion to jump through. To jump to, to, to straight jump to, well, I don't think he cares. He must not, or a storm wouldn't have happened. Just because a storm happens in your life doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about you. Because storms happen to everybody, even Jesus himself. 
And so never jump to the conclusion that he must not care. He must not see me. He must not. It's not like that. He totally cares. He totally loves you. And he's going to help you out of this out of the situation. But but questioning his goodness, questioning his love is not how you get out of the storm. Another dumb thing they did is they totally jumped to the worst case scenario. We're going to drown. What? You don't know that. I mean, here they are. You don't even. Jesus doesn't care. And on top, we're going to drown on top of all this. This is going to be the day that our life. They were emailing their obituary to the newspaper. Peter born. And, and, and they were they were they they had their lives totally done and over with. Now, it's easy to point fingers. But how many of us jump to the worst case scenario? Oh, man, I got an earache. Let me get on WebMD. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. Oh, no. That's what I thought it was. I've got it. And I'll probably be here maybe another month or so, but it's over with. How many people? I'm seriously. I mean, this is far. But how many people you just jump? You dive. You charge through that barrier and say, yeah. Oh, I mean, I realize that statistically it's probably not. But it could be this that I am going to drown. It could be this fatal disease. It really could be that this is going to happen to me. And we just jump to that. Okay, are you still there? All right, listen to me. Listen. Listen to me. So many people do this. I've done this. And does that get you out of the storm to just assume that Jesus doesn't care and to assume that, yeah, we're going to drown. He doesn't care, but we are going to drown. Does that get that doesn't fix storms that makes storms worse. You're a lot more likely to die freaking out in the water than you are to just, okay, let's figure this out. We jump to conclusions and that's what the disciples did. So obviously their method of handling the storm didn't change one thing. But I do like the way that Jesus handled this storm because they tried and they failed. But Jesus handled this storm in a whole other way. You know what Jesus did? Well, first of all, he didn't stop and say, God, did you send this? Maybe God sent this storm upon me and my disciples to teach us a lesson. Maybe God sent this storm into our lives because maybe 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 it's his will that a couple of these guys die. Judas is on the boat. We could just take care of this right now. Get him out of the way. Thomas, he argues with everyone. We could just, we'd be better off without him too. No. Jesus, he didn't stop to say, God, did you send this? Because if God sent this storm, what right do I have to rebuke the storm? If it's from God, right? Why would I rebuke God? I wouldn't. But obviously, God was not the source of the storm. He's the answer to the storm. But a lot, if you're so confused thinking that, that, well, God must have said, if you're that confused about where storms and evil come from, you're far off from being delivered from the storm. But Jesus didn't question that for one second. What did Jesus do? He got up and he spoke to the storm using his authority. He said, peace be still. Well, that was Jesus. You can't do that. Yes, I can do that. Bet me. Yes, I can. Is that a good? Yes, I can. He said, the same things that I do, you shall do also. The same works. Then he said, even greater works shall you do. He said, speak to the mountain. Tell it to be removed, thrown into the sea. And if you don't doubt, 
but you believe in your heart. Those things that you've said, you'll have whatsoever you say, Mark chapter 11. And so if Jesus, who's my example, who I'm supposed to live like, spoke to the storm and said, peace be still, I'm speaking to some storms, people. I'm speaking to some storms. And when the devil sends a storm my way, I'm not going to sit there and take it. I'm going to stand up and say something about it. I'm going to say, peace be still in the name of Jesus. And that's what happened right here. And listen, it says, suddenly the storm stopped. The storm stopped. This storm was from the devil. Jonah's storm was from himself. Some of my storms have been from myself. But I have also faced some storms, and no doubt about it, it was an absolute hit job from the devil to try to screw my life up, try to throw me off from my destination. And he's done the same thing to you to try to get you thrown off from your destination. Do you know what Jesus' destination was right here? Well, it's in the very next chapter. He was going to the other side of the lake because there was a man there possessed by so many demons that the the demons called themselves legion. Jesus was going right over there to deliver this man who was an absolute, they call him the demoniac. He was possessed by thousands of devils, thousands of demons. And Jesus is going over there. This guy cuts himself with rocks. He howls and screams and, and, and beats people up. And, 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 and nobody could control this guy. They could send the whole army in and he'd just throw them all off like nothing because he was that possessed of the devil. Jesus was going over there with that destination in mind. It's the very next verses. He gets over there. He gets the man delivered, healed, saved. The man takes off to preaching. Think about that. What if halfway through the destination, the storm wins and you turn around? You know what? We're going back. We, we, we quit. We can't get there. What if the storm causes you to quit? What if the storm wasn't designed to kill you, but it was designed to cause you to quit and not reach your destination? And so here we are. If, 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 they, if, if they had gone the disciples route, if they had just quit and, and ran away... This man never would have been delivered because Jesus had to get there. And I'll bet that there's some people, you've got a destination. You don't know it yet. You don't, you don't know exactly what it is. Maybe, maybe you haven't figured that out yet. But you're on your way to something and the devil's trying to get you to turn around because when you get to the other side, you are going to help people out. You're going to get people set free. You're going to you're going to destroy the works of darkness and you're going to make the kingdom of God grow. And Satan wants you to quit. He wants to get you turned around. But don't quit. Don't quit for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of you, for the sake of your family and for the sake of somebody else that is going to absolutely have their life changed because you didn't quit one day. So this storm It came to Jesus, and that tells me that if Jesus had to face storms, that we're all going to have to face storms. But Jesus didn't quit. And so the cause of Jesus' storm was Satan. And the answer was using spiritual authority. And that's how you handle a storm sent by Satan. I don't need to repent in that situation. The devil did this one. And so Jesus stood up and spoke, and he used his authority and some of you in this room need to figure this out you're going through storms all the time and you keep going through them and not winning 
listen, and, and you're feeling guilty that it's because of your own sin. Well, a lot of times it's not. A lot of times you need to get some backbone, stand up and use the name of Jesus and speak to the storm. And so that's what Jesus did. And, 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 and one thing that you can learn just from the first two storms is there's only two times in your life that you're going to face storms. One is when you're out of the will of God and the other is when you're in the will of God. So, I mean, let that bring comfort to you. But basically what that means is you can face a storm at any time. So here's Jesus and the perfect will of God doing nothing wrong. And I hear people say, man, I feel like I'm in God's will. Why is all this bad stuff happening? I mean, if I was in God's will, wouldn't it be smooth sailing? What? Who? I want to smack the person that would tell you such a stupid thing. That is dumb. That's stupid to think that that just you're if you're in the will of God, nothing bad happens. That's that is stupid. If you can tell and judge the will of God by smooth sailing, then Paul was a complete failure and a loser because he always had bad stuff happening to him, but he never quit. Jesus had people throwing rocks at him, chasing him around, wanting to kill him all the time. And he certainly was not out of God's will. He was directly in the will of God. Now, thank God that there's great times of smooth sailing, but then a storm comes or whatever. You don't flip out. You do what Jesus did. You speak to the storm with the authority you have in the name of Jesus. Amen. But but you need to realize today there's some people that are just constantly feel guilty every day of their life. Well, this is it must be something I did. Listen, the word said Jesus, God said and, and, and Isaiah, he said, I will blot out your sins for my own sake and I will never think of them again. When God get, when God forgives, he forgets. And so if you bring it up, God, you remember that one time I did this? No. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. I, I did this and I hurt this person. Okay, I don't remember it. What are you? I, he doesn't remember if we've truly repented. Now, I know some people, God, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. <laughs> then they, That's not repenting. Repenting is acknowledging that you were wrong. You stop doing it. Then you turn around and go the opposite direction. And you don't keep walking into the storm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Won't do it anymore. Sorry. 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 That's not repenting. Repenting. You turn around. You cut that stuff out. You quit it. But when you've done that, listen to me. You're forgiven. He is not going to bring up your mistakes. He's not going to dig up your old dirt. It's over with. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, you are forgiven. And you need to get a hold of that in your life or else you're going to constantly have guilt and shame, and that's going to weigh you down and tear your life up. So Jesus' storm didn't become, come because of sin. It came because of the devil. And the third storm we're going to look at today is Paul's storm. Paul went through a storm. And I'll tell you, Paul went through a whole lot of stuff that he did not deserve. And by the end of the book of Acts, we're going to flip to chapter 27 of Acts. But by the end of the book of Acts here... Uh, we've seen, I mean, a lot of awesome things that, that God did through Paul's life. And at this point, he's been incarcerated for a couple of years, uh, waiting to stand trial. And he realizes that he is just flat out, he's not going to get a fair trial where he's at. There's too much religious prejudice against him for being a Christian. And so as a Roman citizen, he finally says, you know what? I appeal to Caesar. I'd rather be have my case heard by the Romans than by the by the Jewish people here. And so 
Paul appeals to Caesar, and so he's a citizen. He's got a lot of rights as a Roman citizen. And they, they're like, okay, you, that's what you want. You, so he went to Rome. He gets on a boat and is headed for Rome. And uh, as we know, this, the, 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 it didn't turn out quite as well as one would hope. But Acts chapter 27, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. I'm going to read these first couple of verses in the New King James here. Uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 10. So he's, he's on the boat. They've made a stop. And then he says this, uh, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Like what, what's going on here? The Holy Spirit, I perceive the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. Just letting you know, buddy, this is going to be a rough ride. There is a storm brewing out there. And and so uh, he tells them, I'm, I'm just letting you guys know. But then again, what who listens to the prisoner? Right. He's a he, he basically at this point, he doesn't have a whole lot of clout. He doesn't have a whole lot of say so in anything. And so he says, there's going to be a storm. And they're probably like, they all say that. Get back in there, you know, smack him or whatever and, and send him back down below deck. But uh, he, he warns them. Nevertheless, verse 11, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. And so notice it says right there, the majority advised. The majority is not always right. Have you seen that in your life? Well, well, everyone's saying this, so it must be true. Then you find out, wait a minute, the majority are idiots. Wow, they're fools. I wish that I, if I would have just stuck with, with what I mean, nobody else agreed with me, but I saw that the Bible said this. If you would just stick with what the Bible says or what God tells you, even though everybody else is saying, well, no, no, it's different. Just, just take, take our word for it. The majority can flat out be dead wrong. And in this case, the majority was absolutely wrong. So let's, uh, so, so uh, let's skip down here to verse 13. Verse 13, I'm in the New Living Translation here. Verse 13 says, When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. That's what happened to Jesus. It says suddenly a storm came right here. The weather changed abruptly. They got out there, and for a little while it seemed like, oh, wait, everything's okay. They made it for a little bit of time, and then, boom, the weather changes abruptly and they found themselves in the middle of a storm and as you're going to see this was a bad storm this is worse than the storm that jonah and jesus was in and so the weather changes and a wind of typhoon strength called northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind so they gave up and let it run before the gale has the storm ever been so intense that you just gave up just, okay, I'm just going to let this thing go. Wherever I end up, I end up. I have no idea what's going to happen here. Well, that's, that's where these guys were. Verse 18, verse 18. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the, batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. This is a furious storm. 
Verse 27 says that it lasted for 14 days. Now, 14 days may not sound like a long time, but 14 days on this ship, it's so bad that the sun is blocked out. You're talking about constant nighttime, basically, for 14 days up and down. Have you ever been on a ship out in the ocean when it got nasty? I mean, it, that is not fun. That is, that's really. And 14 days of this, nonstop. And they reached the place because some storms, they're just a constant. Nonstop. Is this ever going to end? And you've been like in some of those storms in your life, I'm sure, where it's like, oh, it's, oh man, here another day, and here it comes again. And it keeps raging, it keeps raging, and the little bit of light that you have, it, it starts, to, starts to get covered up, and here we are, they reach a place, all hope was finally gone. That's a storm right there. That is a storm. And maybe you've been in that place where it's just beat you up and thrown you around for so long that you're finally reached the point of, I don't think we're going to make it, honestly. I, I think this is probably it. You know, it's, it's over. And you reach the place of having no hope. Never, ever, ever, as a born-again Christian, lose hope. Three things will remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. Hope has to always be present in your life. Because it's going to take faith to get the storm to move. But you can't have faith without hope. Because hope is the pilot. It is the spark that lights faith into action. If you don't have hope, if, you have, if you're at the place to say, I, I don't, there's no way you're in a bad spot. But if you're a Christian, you always have this hope. You know what? It looks really bad. I get that. But there is a chance. There is a, that's hope. And then hope moves from saying there is a chance to the realm of faith saying, my gosh, this storm is, it has to leave in the name of Jesus. We're going to kick this storm out of our lives and we're going to overcome this thing. So these guys had lost hope, but Paul never lost hope. Paul knew the whole time that he was going to make it to the other side of this thing. And you have to realize that you're going to make it to the other side of this thing. And so down here in verse 21, verse 21, it says, No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Duh! Seriously. He, I mean, what more appropriate thing to say? Because he's in a storm that is not his fault. It's really not the devil's fault even. He's in a storm that other people brought upon his life. And he says right here, you should have listened to me. Is there anybody here that you'd like to go say that to them? You should have listened to me. I told you. Yeah, it's nice to be, you know, we all have those times where we could say, I told you so, man. should have listened. And here we are, and Paul says, you guys should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. What? Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down, and it did. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. You could be in the middle of the storm, but listen to me. God is beside you, 
and the angels of God are standing right beside you, even in the middle of the storm. Everybody else thinks the ship's going down. Everybody else thinks it's hopeless. But the angel of the Lord is standing right there. Why? Because the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalm 34, 7. He is right there every second of your life, even in the middle of the storm. So he says, guys, you shouldn't have listened, but here's the good news. You're not going to die. You're not going to die because an angel of the God whom I serve stood beside me last night. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Good news. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we're going to be shipwrecked on an island. And they did get shipwrecked on an island. But notice right here, Paul, he says, the angels told me that God granted safety to us. What is granted? That's the type of word that you use when when someone's been praying. God granted your request. God gave you the answer that you were looking for. God granted this to you. There's no doubt about it. I know. I know that for those 14 days, Paul wasn't down there repenting of his sins because that's the wrong way to fight this type of storm. He wasn't even down there, you know, uh, just... What are we going to do? Flipping out like the disciple? He wasn't none of that. For 14 days of brutal storm, he was down there, I'm sure taking authority, but he was down there persevering in his faith and praying in this situation. And, and, and the unique thing about Paul's storm, because these type of storms do exist, where you don't deserve it, you didn't do it. You had nothing to do with this. And really, this isn't even necessarily an attack from the enemy. Other people brought a storm into your life. And I'm not looking to blame and point around, but Paul was in this situation. He didn't deserve to be there, for sure. He had nothing to do with this. And he even, before the storm came, he told them, this, there's going to be a storm, don't go. He did everything he could. This was not his fault. But other people, the majority said, no, we're going. And they brought him. They took him right to the middle of a storm. And it's sometimes you have been taken right to the middle of a storm and just dropped off by somebody. And that's 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 there's a lot that can happen right there. You could get totally bitter. You could get, you know, hateful. You could whatever. But Paul, he comes to these guys and he says, hey, listen, take courage. It's going to be all right. We're not going to die. There's nothing hateful about what Paul was doing. Paul came and he prayed and, and he persevered and he handled the situation. But this was not a, this was the worst storm out of the three that we studied. I think the storm, nobody knows how long the storm Jesus was in, but I'm guessing it wasn't that long. It was all within one day. Jonah's storm was bad, but he was in the fish for three days. And here we are, 14 days of nonstop horror in this storm. And so, praise God. So I'm telling you right now, these type of storms do exist. But how did Paul overcome this storm? How did Paul overcome this storm? Well, I'm going to tell you how Paul overcame this storm. Paul, the cause of Paul's storm was other people, but the answer was patient endurance and prayer. 
The answer was patient endurance and prayer. And maybe you've been in a storm and it's lasted longer than an hour. Anybody been in one of those? Maybe you're in a storm and it's lasted longer than three days. Maybe you're in a storm and it's lasted a lot longer than you would have liked. And it seems like I don't even know what to do. I have no control over this thing. Paul had no control over this thing. If you have no control over the situation, listen right now. Patient endurance. Because no storm is forever. Every storm is temporary. There are some storms you wait it out. You endure it. And praise God, it comes to an end. And I want to show you a verse here in Hebrews 10.36. Hebrews 10.36. And uh, this is incredible. Now, nobody for sure will say who wrote the book of Hebrews. I believe there's a lot of evidence that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, but since he didn't put his name on it, we don't know. But I think that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 and, 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 and there's something written here that I believe will speak to a lot of hearts today. I believe that this verse is exactly what a lot of people need to hear. Hebrews 10, verse 36, it says, Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Because so often the storm that comes in your life, it's meant to get you to turn around from God's will. It's meant to get you to turn back to where you came from and where you came from was not where you should have been in the first place. It's trying to get you to turn back to your old ways. Turn back to, to, to whatever it was that you came from. But this says patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will and then you will receive all that He has promised. Sometimes we think, well, the Bible promises this but I haven't seen it. Listen, patient endurance. Patient endurance. Continue to do the will of God. And you will absolutely receive all that God has promised to you. And so what I'm telling you today is this. I'm kind of looking at storms here. And, and, and I want you to see that, that, yeah, not every storm's the exact same. So you don't fight every storm the exact same way. But I'll bet that you can identify with one of the three storms that we looked at today. And your answer is found in the Word of God. And it doesn't have to to stay. You don't have to live in that storm for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to always be that way. But you have to get to a place where you say, I don't want to be in a storm anymore. I, I don't want life to be like this. It can be better than this. And if you'll do things God's way, on His terms, listen, the storm will end. You'll get out of it. You'll, your life's going to be intact and you're going to be better than ever before. You're going to go and fulfill the will of God in your life. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.